The Internet History Podcast is brought to you by MetaLab. Their slogan is MetaLab, we make interfaces. For a decade, MetaLab has helped some of the world's top companies and entrepreneurs build products that millions of people use every day. You probably didn't realize it at the time, but the odds are you've used an app that they've helped design or build. Apps like Slack, Coinbase, Facebook Messenger, Oculus, Lonely Planet, and many more. MetaLab wants to bring their unique design philosophy to your project. Let them take your brainstorm and turn it into the next billion-dollar app, from idea sketched on the back of a napkin to a final shipped product. Check them out at metalab.co. That's metalab.co. Welcome to the Internet History Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Brian McCullough. Ken Norton is a partner at GV, which is, of course, Alphabet's venture capital arm. But before that, he was a product manager at Google, where he led the development of products like Google Docs, Google Calendar, and Google Mobile Maps. But he was also early at JotSpot, which became Google Sites, was a product manager at Yahoo!, was an early employee at CNET, and was CTO of Snap, a company probably none of you have heard of, but I've been dying to talk about for years. No, not Snapchat. The original Snap, the dot-com era Snap. So this is another great episode with a guy who has played roles in a ton of our favorite companies and general topics. Please enjoy this conversation with Ken Norton. And remember... If you haven't picked up the book that was based on this podcast, it would make an excellent holiday gift, I think. It's called How the Internet Happened from Netscape to the iPhone. It's available anywhere fine books are sold. Ken Norton, thanks for coming on the Internet History Podcast. Thanks for having me. All right. We start off at the beginning of the beginning, in a way. Um, So I, I can see, Ken, that you went to Boston University to... Uh, I think your major was poli-sci and philosophy, and philosophy I get. I know a lot of people that ended up as engineers. Uh, philosophy is actually a good entree into engineering. But so how how did you end up a software engineer with those uh, majors? It's a, that's a good question. I, you know, I think to, to kind of go back, you know, before college, you know, my, I, I'd always been using computers. I mean, my, my dad bought us uh, an Apple II Plus. That was kind of my mm. first computer. Um, and then I remember, you know, we we were such early adopters that we we actually upgraded from the Apple II Plus to the Apple IIe. Um, so that was kind of you know our second generation computer. And and you know my my parents, I, I grew up in uh, in Western New York in, in Buffalo. My my parents didn't have a, a lot of money, so I, I I still kind of to this day am amazed that you know they my dad decided that that was something that we needed to to, to own. Um, but I was you know always just you know, hacking on computers and, and, and programming. And, um, it just was, you know, kind of something that I did. It was, you know, it was a hobby and I was into BBSs and, and, and everything else. But when I got to college, it was, it was never, for whatever reason, it never kind of connected the dots for me that that maybe would be a career. You know, it's kind of like if you, you know, if you, if you really like, 
building model ships and you're kind of like, well, that's my hobby. Well, what am I going to do for a real job? And you, mm. Like you would never be like, I'm going to, so it, it just never kind of connected for me. Um, and so I never, you know, never thought about studying computer science. Like I, I, I don't even, I don't remember deliberately deciding against it. I think it just kind of never, you know, crossed the, the, the wires in my brain that like, Hey, this is something you really love to do. You know, why don't you, why don't you make that, you know, your career? Well, and people, um, people forget that now that in the eighties, you know, yeah. in the world we live in, it's hard to imagine this, but in the eighties, there's not a lot of like, um, that's not shown as like a, a, a role model or a template that, that, that people nope. can be software engineers. You just see the product. You don't know that there's people behind it. Yeah, it, it doesn't. And I, and I've talked to other folks and, and, you know, and, and I've, I've talked to friends who had kind of similar experiences and, and, you know, maybe it was kind of seen more vocational or I, I don't know. And, and, and I don't know, maybe if I'd even, you know, said, I'm going to be a computer programmer, if people in my life have been like, you know, no, no, you know, you can get a, get a real job and, you know, go to law school or whatever. Um, but so I got to college and, you know, and I, and I, my, my plan was to, uh, go to law school and and go into politics, and that was you know kind of the path. And so I studied philosophy and really really political theory. So I think poli sci and philosophy was, you know, what I I, I did study logic and and uh, you know ethics and a lot of kind of traditional philosophy, but really I was much more into um, you know political theory. And my the end of my college experience coincided with me doing a, an internship in Washington D.C., and and the, the plan there was I was going to go to, to D.C. for the summer, you know, do my internship, and you know, get a job, and then that was you know I was going to do that, and then kind of go to law school, um, and you know, this is 1993, so it was it was you know it was a recession. It uh, it it you know, and it, it kind of pales in comparison to you know the the dot com crash and and the financial crash since then, but um, you know there were no, there were no jobs to be had, and I spent you know a good you know several days just kind of walking up and down the halls of the Senate office building and the the congressional office buildings, just you know putting my resume in bins and hoping for a callback. Um, and and actually, I since then have learned that that the sucker move is to put the resume in the bin. But really what you want to do is you want to hand it to a legislative aide because other mm. people take the resumes out of the bins. <laughs> so who knows if anybody even saw my, my, saw my resume. Um, but, you know, I think I was, I was done with that internship and I graduated and I was like, okay, well, you know, I, I, I clearly, you know, I'm not going to be working here in Washington, D.C. So maybe I'll just, you know, move back to, to Buffalo, um, you know, live, live with my mom for a little bit bit of time until I can kind of get my act together. And, and, and really that was me kind of pretending that that was a deliberate decision and wasn't really the only option left for me. Um, so I, so I moved back to, to Buffalo and, and, you know, the first thing I did was like, well, I should get some, I should, you know, I should get a job so I can, I can get paid. Well, what do I know how to do? Well, something with computers, we'll, you know, we'll find some kind of something that I can do that, that it'll pay the bills. And, um, so I went and, uh, found a temp agency and they said, uh, well, if, you know, if you know computers, there's a, there's a company that is looking for people to do, um, you know, tech support on the, on the phone. And we don't know much about it, but you should go, you know, kind of check it out. Uh, and so it turns out it's this company that had just been awarded uh, the Microsoft uh, telesales contract. And so they were looking for, 
for for phone agents to essentially answer inbound sales for people that want to upgrade Microsoft Office. It was a, it was at the time I think it was like actually I probably remember all this. It was like Office, you know, 4.2. It was like <laughs> Word 6.0, Excel 5.0, PowerPoint 4.0. I remember that because that I, I said that over and over and over and over and over on the phones. Um, so that the, I got the, a temp job working the phones for Microsoft. Well, the, so the company was like Sitel or something like that. They, they, yeah, they went through a bunch of inter, I, incarnations. They were called Upgrade Corporation of America then, uh, and they actually really became, you know, kind of the foremost uh, tech employer in, in West New York. There was another company, Ingram Micro, which is a distributor, and they really became kind of, you know, this little kind of tech revival. Um, and uh, they ended up getting bought by SoftBank. Uh, and then eventually became this company that's still around today called called Cytel. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, since then a lot of this stuff ended up becoming offshored. But but you know, I guess in the in the early '90s, Buffalo was the the offshoring, um, and <laughs> and so uh, you know, so I just went in there and you know started uh, just working the phones for for Microsoft and uh, and doing you know inbound sales and eventually technical support. Um, and then after you know several months of that, I. I, I, the, the CTO of the company, um, you know, kind of started to build up a team to, to start to do some more interesting stuff. And, you know, eventually, you know, I caught his eye and he said, oh, you should come work for me. You know, you know how to code. And, uh, you know, spent about three years there building, you know, facts on demand systems and, you know, in, in IVR, you know, interactive voice response systems for the company. And, uh, and that was really, you know, it's kind of like, that was my first programming job and you know it was, and it was literally like right out of college but but you know almost now you look back at my career and college was in some ways kind of a you know a four year you know pause on on being you know in the computer industry so didn't, that, you that always, didn't, didn't you also um create like a web-based uh customer support system or something like that I, or well, work I did, on it? And, and that's why i ended up leaving so i got super excited about the web um, you know, and, and, and this is, you know, I think we, you, you, you've had so many folks on the podcast who are like this, who's, you know, as soon as you kind of got the web, you realized it was just going to change everything, right? And you're like, everything that we're doing, you know, we're going to someday do on the web. And so I would sit there and be like, wait, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're charging Microsoft to have people call an 800 number to order you know, uh, 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 a, a technical document that we're then going to fax to them. Like, and we, you know, that's like, that's not going to, that's going to be the web, right? That's how that's going to work. And so I, you know, I, I, I tried to get people excited about that. And, um, I, I got a, you know, a, one kind of senior leader in the company excited about the, the web enough to where they let me kind of, you know, go explore on my own. Um, the one thing I actually convinced them to do was to drop a, uh, you know, a 56K, um, you know, dedicated line to my desk so that I could, so I could hack around with, with web stuff. So I, you know, I had literally the only internet connection to the company and, you know, I, I mean, it was, it cost like $2,000 a month or something. So it was, it was, a, you know, obviously a real, um, you know, vote of confidence from, from the CTO that he was just like, yeah, you can go ahead and explore that. Um, and so, you know, we, we built some of the first, you know, kind of, you know, web-based uh, customer support and technical support systems. And, you know, a lot of it was to kind of take what we were doing at the time, which was was fax on demand. You know, so for, for people who, who don't remember fax on demand, you would you'd call an 800 number, you know, you'd go through, a, you know, automated menu 
and you'd say, well, I want, you know, a spec sheet on this, or I want, you know, a document or an FAQ on this. And, and then you'd eventually type in your fax number. And then, you know, a few minutes later, the fax would, would come in over your fax machine. So it's this incredibly roundabout, you know, circuitous, like painfully time consuming interaction that really just is, should be going to a URL, you know, eventually going to a search engine. So, um, but, but part of the reason I left was, uh, you know, I just I, I didn't sense that the company was excited about it. I just didn't think that they they you know got it or were excited enough to really want to invest in in uh, in, in the web. And and for me, the you know the the, the kind of breaking point was in uh, in in 1995. I you know I, I got really excited about wanting to be out in Silicon Valley, and so I convinced my uh, my girlfriend at the time to come out here for San Francisco for vacation. Um, and we, we happened to visit the week that uh, Netscape went public. So I actually looked this up because I was curious. It was August 9th, 1995, which is also the day Jerry Garcia died. Right. So we were in San Francisco, you know, on the day that Netscape went public and Jerry Garcia died. And, and you know, my my girlfriend then, she was way more interested in the Jerry Garcia side of it. I was way more interested <laughs> in the Netscape side of it. And I was like, oh, man. Like something is happening here. Like I need to, I need to be here. I need to somehow get out, uh, you know, to, to Silicon Valley and to just, you know, make, get, get into the web, like not to just be hacking around at this company that's doing something else, but I want to do something that, that, that really involves this technology. So d did you, um, again, send your resume around? Is that how you ended up at Cena? <laughs> yeah, eventually it, it took a little while, but you know, effectively, um, yeah, that's what happened. Um, there, there was actually two, uh, two companies that were rec recruiting me um, pretty heavily. One was uh, Organic Online. I'm not sure if you remember yeah. Organic. Oh, yeah, absolutely. A, a Bellendorf's company. And, uh, yep, yep. Uh, and they were doing really cool stuff. And they, they actually, you know, I, I, still, I still feel bad about this, but they were the ones that actually flew me out for the interview. Um, and then while I was out, I, I also interviewed at CNET. And so I ended up taking the CNET job. So I've always kind of, I don't know why I feel guilty, but I just always kind of felt like, oh, they, you know, they gave me an offer and they flew me out. And then I kind of like on the sly, you know, went and, and interviewed with, with CNET. Um, but, uh, but, you know, CNET then was, was really a television studio, um, you know, and, and this was, you know, in early 96, you know, I interviewed with, with Halsey Miner, who's the founder, I ended up w working for him for several years, and um, you know Kevin Wendell, who was you know he came from E Online, he was kind of running their entertainment studio, and you know the office was really a television studio, and they just right. Let, let, let me let me explain that just a little bit. So uh, uh, Halsey's been on the show, um, I think, in the first thirty or so episodes, really early on. So if people want to look yeah. that up, you can get more details on on that then. But so originally, CNET was founded as like a cable network for for tech news essentially uh, i think in like 93 and then it like like a lot of other people like wired and other people like when the web actually happens it's it's like well we need to be on this if we're covering this that's exactly right yeah so you know and actually you know halsey had and and i should go back and listen to that episode but i mean you know he was actually kicking ideas around with jeff bezos um, before he started CNET and they, and they ended up, you know, not starting something together, but, but that, that was kind of the original incarnation. But yeah, I mean, Halsey was like, Hey, this, you know, computer is tech, this is going to be a thing, you know, there's going to be a huge market for this. And you know, the, what you, what you would think in the early nineties is, well, I should build a dedicated, you know, a cable television news station for this audience. <laughs> uh, but, 
but then he had the foresight to be like, wait, you know, really, this is a, you know, this is an online media company. And, 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 you know, I kind of was hired in the early days of them starting to think, you know, how do we really become an internet company? And, you know, and, and this will kind of give you a sense of what the company was like then, you know, I was, I was really the first, uh, first software engineer on the West coast. They had a, a, a team in New Jersey, um, a bunch of folks out of Belcor, um, you know, that were kind of the primary engineering team. And, you know, CNET was in, in uh, North Beach in this, you know, this big, beautiful building that, you know, just looked like a television studio. And there was this tiny room upstairs kind of in the corner that they called the online room um, because that was where the people that were working on the online stuff um, were. And, and not only was that where those of us that were working on, on the website sat, that, that was literally where the website was. There were like, you know, a, a, a couple of Spark 20s, um, you know, what we could call the pizza box uh, Spark Station 20s that were, you know, running the site. And, you know, they were, you know, on one end of the room. And, you know, those of us on the engineering side, we were kind of on the other end of the room. And then slowly over the next couple of years, I mean, obviously, you know, the online entire company really became, um, you know, dedicated to, 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 to being web first. And we still had television shows for some mm. period of time, but... But right. um, but actually, one one anecdote from those days is one of the uh, one of the guys who shared a big desk with me um, was Ryan Seacrest. Mm. Ryan Seacrest was one of the television personalities for one of the shows, uh, and this is before he you know he ended up doing you know everything else since then. But um, but you know he and he hardly needed a desk because he was like the, one of the TV personalities or something. But um, it only dawned on me several years later that that guy was that guy <laughs> yeah i think i think i, I mentioned like, that i didn't connect the dots yeah i think i mentioned that on the show before too because i, I discovered that one day going down a rabbit hole and i was like oh that's an interesting thing um but, but so what your job is uh your uh what what and i say what in the sense of um if they're moving online uh we're still if this is 96 we're still talking about uh, you're you're going to get a, a a major publication online, uh, but there's no CMS. <laughs> there are no CMSs at this point. So so what are you working on specifically? Yeah. Uh, build the CMS. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's, and this is part of what was you know when I look back on on these days was just so fun and 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 at the same time it's just you know so frightening is this notion that you know you had to build everything. You know, you don't, you don't, you know, t today it's like you want to, you want to deploy a website. Well, what should I use? Should I Ruby on Rails or something? It's like, we didn't Pull have it that. off the shelf. We had yeah. to yeah, build everything. We, we literally were like, you know, building our own, you know, load balancers by like hacking some version of DNS that, um, you know, one of the engineers found that it had a bug in it that allowed you to just basically rotate, you know, IP. And so that we, we had to kind of build the entire stack. Um, and, and the, and the main thing that we really wanted to build up was, was, you know, was a content management system because, you know, we, um, we're, we're starting to do a lot more. So we had CNET.com that was kind of the flagship and we were starting to build news.com, which, en which ended up becoming the primary news site. Um, and that was really my first big project there. And, and so, you know, the, the Eng team and, and including me and a lot of folks at, at CNET, you know, we basically built our own our own web server, our own templating system, our own content management system, um, and that and that actually ended up becoming uh, Vignette Story Server. So Vignette, um, at at some point, we ended up 
basically licensing the technology to this other company Vignette uh, so that they could sell it to other to other sites in exchange for you know percentage of the company and, and Vignette ended up going public and CNET made you know tons and tons of money on that. Um, but you know that had really started because we we just needed we needed something that um, that we could use for our for our you know editorial staff um, and nobody else is doing it. I mean, you know, Wired was doing it um, and you know I think there was I feel like there was maybe like one other site that was even close to be operating at that kind of scale at that at that level of technical uh, capability. Well, and you mentioned um, news.com, but also uh, I feel like download.com uh, doesn't get enough doesn't get enough credit <laughs> yeah. these days. Yeah. Tell me well, about download.com. Yeah, so download.com, you know, and 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 then I'll tell a story about the domains because that was really, Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> really, oh cool. Really yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the intellectual property here. Um so, you know, download.com was, you know, we just, we were kind of like one of the hardest things to do back then was, you know, there was so much, you know, shareware and freeware. And it's like, you know, even just to like, you want to download the Netscape browser or something. It's just like, you couldn't even figure out where to, where to download, you know, cause there weren't any good search engines and uh, a lot of stuff was FTP and FTP, you know, it was notoriously flaky. You know, so like, so maybe the server would be up, maybe it would be down. And so the vision for download.com was just like it was basically just a search engine for all the shareware and and software you you ever thought you needed or wanted to download. Um, and so we were, you know, and and we didn't host it. So I, eventually, I think we did. But in the beginning, we were just like, you know, we were just trying to find it, um, you know. And 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 so that served this like incredible need that you didn't realize anybody had, which is I'm just trying to find a piece of soft, you know, I want to try to find Winamp or you know whatever. And you just like whatever kind of piece of shareware software was out there and no I, and, uh, and i feel like really that's what's that's what's gotten lost is is you can't again today however many years on um things like winamp like you hear about it and and you wouldn't know there's no app store there's like you said there's no search engines so you're like i want to try this new thing there's an entire generation of people like me that download.com was such an important resource Absolutely. Yeah. And before that, it would be like, you know, here's this random FTP server and, um, you know, log on with this user and this password and it's, you know, hosted at Carnegie Mellon or something. <laughs> you'd, you'd go and you'd log on, you know, and then it didn't work or, or, you know, it would, it would have be downloading at like 1k an hour or something. Um, so, so that was the vision and download.com became a huge moneymaker because they, they started to, uh, you know, they, they started to get paid for downloads. I mean, so they started to, uh, you know, get paid by Netscape and internet, you know, Microsoft for internet Explorer downloads. And, and, uh, it actually became pretty, pretty significant cash cow. And that, and that was both on the, you know, the same, the same platform, the same CMS. So, um, and so it, it's not a, it's, yeah, yeah. I was just going to say, it's not a perfect analogy, but imagine a web 1.0 sort of app store kind of, but anyway, now, so tell me about the domains. Yeah. I'll take the app store analogy. I'll do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the domain. So, so, you know, one of the basically a ton of the value that CNET had was just having all these incredible domains, like just, you know, download.com, news.com. Uh, I remember we had coffee.com. And if I recall collect correctly, I think we, we had coffee.com and then we registered mrcoffee.com so that we could trade for java.com from from the mr coffee company <laughs> so it was and but but the story there is there is this uh this this guy uh matthew barzin who's one of the first employees of, of of cnet uh super great guy um actually was um 
Barack Obama's ambassador to England. Um, so he's he's gone on to to do great things. Mm-hmm. Um, he uh, was one of the early employees, and he was kind of had this job that you know really had no title, been involved, you know, you know, literally finding a copy machine for the office in the beginning to kind of just everything. And you know, he was one of the ones that really kind of had the foresight with Halsey of just like, you know, we should just register all these domain names. You know, they just sit around and be like, hey, maybe someday we could do. You know, we could do this or we could do that. Yeah, go register a whole bunch of domain names. And, you know, this is back when you would just, if you wanted to register a domain name, you would just fire off an email, you know, in a certain format to, you know, an address at Internet. And and then you'd get a response and it was yours. Like you didn't pay for it. Like you didn't, you certainly didn't have to buy it from anyone else because it wasn't registered. Um, So they were, you know, they were one of the first ones to just register all these tremendously valuable kind of, you know, single word domain names and then to, to build businesses around them. Um, and, uh, and that, that took a lot of foresight because I mean, even then I just kind of felt like literally all these for like this, this, this is kind of down, you know, download.com. Like that's like, mm-hmm. what's a website download.com. That's stupid. Yeah. I had Gary Kremen on, uh, who yeah. founded match.com and he, <laughs> he told me similar <laughs> stories about that wild west time of, uh, uh, registering all those domains. So, um, uh, Snap is Snap is a spinoff of of CNET, right? Right. Okay. Right. And and so Snap is is like an, an attempt to do search like Wire did with with Hotbot and and stuff. Right. Yeah. So we actually had a search engine, Search dot com. No surprise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no surprise. Okay. Given, given everything I just said about right, the right. Uh, the 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 domains. Um, but it was really just a front end to in the beginning to just a hotbot, I think, um, you know, so we had a partnership with Wired and, you know, Yahoo was starting to kind of take off and, and, you know, I think Halsey, you know, had, had the vision for what I think what, it, what eventually we would kind of come to think of as portals, but, um, it was long before we called them portals, which is just like, you know, hey, all right, if you believe that millions and millions of people are, are going to be coming onto the internet. Um, they're, you know, they're not, they can't have the same experience we did. Like, you know, they can't be like windsock, BLL, you know, <laughs> pop, you know, without all this crap that we had to go through to get online. Like we want them to have a great experience. There needs to be a kind of a starting point. And so if we were to build kind of the homepage to the internet and, and, and build, you know, content around that and the search experience around that, we could then go partner with all of these ISPs that are going to be basically wanting to sell the pipes. And so we could, you know, we can basically build this experience, partner with them, uh, and, and, and then, you know, acquire hopefully all these users as they came online. So it was eventually what we came to call portals. But, but I think the earlier vision for Snap was much more that we were going to basically be kind of like the white label provider, you know, for, um, you know, the, the ISPs as they kind of go, signing up customers we would be kind of the 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 homepage for them so it's more maybe that's why it ends up with nbc because it was more (laughs) okay uh, you you weren't trying to build your own business you you were trying to essentially spin it off and have someone come come take it over um no i think we we wanted to be a standalone business but i but i think our, our our goal was was that you would you know, if you sign up through AT&T, you mm, get the right, AT&T right. version of Snap, you know, att.snap.com. And it would be ATT branded. And, mm. you know, it would say Snap, but it would be, but it would be AT&T's kind of has some control over the experience. Um, and so, and so that was, you know, as we, we kind of started to build that out. So I was, you know, part of this, you know, as I was 
kind of looking for a new project, you know, I was kind of part of that really early team, uh, you know, kind of Halsey just, you know, I remember just one day it was just like, all right, you have a new project and, you know, you're going to be moving to a different building and <laughs> we're, we're taking you away from everyone and here's what we're, here's what we're doing. Um, and then, you know, year, two years later, suddenly, you know, there's like 250 people working on it and, and NBC is, uh, investing and then ultimately NBC bought us. Uh, and we we spun out of, of CNET and and eventually became NBC Internet. So this is I told you offline. Uh, this this is what I was super excited to talk about because this to me is something that again has been flushed down the memory hole. Is this couple of years where uh, especially media companies, but all kinds of companies, all of a sudden everyone has to have an internet play. <laughs> And so NBCI is NBC's internet play. Um, I, I, I'm going to let you just, just tell me what you want to tell me about it. And then um, there's a couple questions I want to ask. But so, so tell me about NBCI or your time at NBCI or, or what they wanted to do, anything like that. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it made a, a lot of sense to me at the time. You know, I, I think, you know, it, it, I think there was a sense that everybody recognized that the internet was the future of media. And so, you know, if you are NBC or any stodgy old media company, like you, you have to be doing something. And and like what that something was, nobody could figure out. Um, but there was definitely a lot of you know FOMO around. You know, should we be? You know, like I remember this the 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 story that everybody always told that that at the time kind of raised eyebrows of, of an example of what they wanted to do was, you know, someday you know, you're going to be watching Friends. And of course, Friends was really popular. That was like one of the marquee shows. And, and NBC was really at the top of the world. You know, they were like the number one news network. You're going to want, you're going to be watching Friends and you're going to click on Jennifer Aniston's sweater and buy it. Like that, right, <laughs> that right, was right. like, you know, and, and I think now you can do that on Instagram, right? We've maybe finally gotten there, but but nobody remembers Friends. Um, but but you're just like, okay, I, I get it. But, it, but it, was it was clear that they just knew that, that their business was endangered, but they didn't know enough about the web or the internet to know even what that meant. And they didn't know enough to even know like that, you know, that means you're probably not going to be doing it the way you do it today, not doing it the way you do it today, augmented by e-commerce, right? This is going to be a whole different experience. Uh, but it turns out there was, there was, there was a, they had a, a group at NBC called NBC Interactive um, that had a, a, a ton of, you know, really smart people um, you know, who were, who were trying to do some stuff with the internet and they were the ones that really kind of spearheaded, um, the CNET, you know, uh, the investment in CNET and snap and ultimately the acquisition. Um, and, and I think that they were also kind of getting frustrated with just, you know, NBC and, and, you know, at the time NBC was owned by GE. So you're not just talking NBC, you know, stodgy, old and slow, you're talking, you know, really general electric. Um, and so, uh, so I think they kind of were like, look, if, you know, if if we need to do something in the internet, we need to do it with somebody who understands the internet, and and so we should go. You know, we should go invest. You know, all in. But um, the, what you're describing is is my favorite part of it is that like this is a period we're talking like ninety eight ninety nine where if a company says it's going all in on the internet, their stock pops thirty percent in a day or something. <laughs> but yeah. but but at the same time, they legitimately don't know. It's yeah. not like well, we see they don't know what they're doing. They don't know what even the product would be. They just know that we need to be doing this in quotes, <laughs> whatever right. this is. Yep. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, and, and the, the, the canonical example of that was just, you know, adding a .com to your name, you know, and then suddenly you're stuck, stuck you've, you've created billions of dollars of value. So, you know, and, it, and this is, you know, things were really starting to get frothy. Like, I don't, you know, now looking back, it's like, you know, this is when things were just getting absurd. And, and you know, the, I had been there, you know, all along, so I hadn't seen it, you know, getting as crazy because, you know, by then I'd, this is now, you know, four or five years that I've been, you know, working in dot com. So I, I didn't quite get how just ridiculous it was, it was getting. Um, and, you know, I, and even after they did the acquisition, like I didn't really, I, I didn't realize that it was something that they actually, you know, at the like, you know, Bob Wright, you know, who was the head of NBC and, and Jack Welch level mm -hmm. cared about. Um, and until, you know, when, when, when they went to basically announce the acquisition, they flew us out to New York. Um, and, uh, you know, there's, you know, Jack Welch, you know, he's spending three days with us. Right. I mean, this guy <laughs> runs general electric, right. Yeah, he's like, this yeah. is the most important thing to our business. Um, we, uh, yeah, so that, that was, I felt like a fish out of water there because we, we they decided that they were going to do the press conference in studio, uh, what is it, 8H? That's the SNL studio, I think. Right. So, so we do the, the press conference in studio uh, 8H. And um, the, the, the first thing I did was completely embarrass myself in front of Bob Wright and, and Jack Welch because, you know, they get us up on stage and they're kind of just briefing us and they're like, you know, here's where the cameras are going to be and here's where you're going to sit. And, you know, there's like five, five chairs, you know, on the stage. And, uh, you know, one of the, people who's kind of coordinating things is like, well, we're going to need another chair. And so I like turn around and grab a chair and everybody's like, no, no, no. And I'm like, what? And like, put the chair down. I was like, what, what do you play? So I don't know anything about union rules in a, in a television studio, <laughs> but it turns out like that's a major faux pas when you're, especially right. when you're standing with the NBC and GE executives to start like, you know, essentially, you know, undermining, you know, so whoever is the union, the, the teamsters got to do that. Yeah. yeah. So, 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 you know, 20 minutes later, some guy comes out with a headset, and moves the chair for us. But, but, you know, that I probably, you know, escaped without getting my, my knees broken or something from that. But, um, but I was just like, they really like, they don't know what they're doing, but boy, they, they really think it's important. You know, I mean, this is, this is like, this company is really, you know, all in on this. And, and they had also uh, kind of mashed, you know, CNBC.com in with this. So they'd kind of taken, you know, the disparate other little internet properties that they had, whatever they amounted to, and kind of like really, you know, threw them all into this basket they were calling NBC Internet. Um, you know, but it was, it was clear that they knew that this mattered. It was clear they knew it was important. You know, it was clear that they saw dollar signs, you know, I, I think probably ultimately, but also, there was kind of maybe a little bit of a sense of existential dread of, you know, are, are we going to be bundling, you know, channels on cable network and, you know, running must see TV on Thursdays. Right. And I don't think so. We better figure something out. Well, and speaking of dollar signs, didn't NBCI, uh, didn't they IPO or am I misremembering that? Yeah, we did. We did. Right. We, we, uh, it was well, so it was it was one of these kind of weird things. So the, the, I actually neglected to mention there's this other company involved, this company called Zoom, right, uh, right, X O O M, um, and they were kind of like you know plugged into this as well, um, and and really I think it was because they were already public, so it was basically kind of a reverse IPO type of thing. Um, so so we didn't we didn't go through the the roadshow process that we kind of just 
more of like kind of an acquisition of a public company that became the new public company or whatever, which was kind of popular then. But yeah, yeah, we were we were a public company, which was um, you know a whole new experience for me because I was I was the chief technology officer, and now suddenly I'm you know like a named mm-hmm. you know executive in a public company, and like you know like going on a road show for secondaries and filing you know SEC stuff, and you know, that was that kind of just just was just sudden it was just well like, and the I, reason the I'm reason that that they have to do that aside from you know you can actually make money you could you can spit it out and have this valuable company that you own 30 percent of but also because since if you're in nbc or you're inside ge you can't attract talent because you can't give them stock options you need to get that stock currency to attract talent right yeah oh yeah yep. yeah. yeah yeah and 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 that was why you know um, you know that I think that that was in a lot of ways a, a kind of the, the the proposition to get um, a lot of the folks that that had been working on this at NBC to to really want to kind of come in um, and and work in NBCI and, and and in retrospect I mean you know I I was really afraid of that because they sent four executives in um, one of whom became our COO um, this guy named Edmund Sanctus and and I was just like oh man they're sending the NBC you know, execs in to like run this place. These, these people are going to be total clowns. Um, but it turns out they were the four that like, that had to get out of NBC. Right? <laughs> you know, they, they like, they were the ones that wanted to volunteer to come to NBCI because they like really believed, you know, in the internet and the dot com world and, and just were kind of fed up with the weenies at NBC. Um, so they ended up being, I mean, you know, they're, they're, they're folks that, you know, I continue to, to know and, um, you know, have done do great things on, on the internet. And so, um, so it's kind of funny because you're just like, oh, they're parachuting in these NBC execs that are going to be our new bosses, um, you know. And, and then from their perspective, they were probably like, we're finally free; <laughs> we can actually like do do web stuff, free, free <laughs> well, from the binds of NBC. And as I as I stipulated, there were there were plenty of plays like this. Like the reason that, that Go dot com was Disney's play. That's why you can still see right. vestigial. If you're trying to go to ESPN, <laughs> you can sometimes go dot ESPN. Never goes away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm gonna yada yada over a little bit. This uh, Snap was a. a the fastest growing search engine uh, of its time. Um, you know, I'm sure that the NBCI properties at the time, when when this mattered in a big way, were probably in the top ten or top twenty of of uh, you know web properties in terms of traffic and things like that. Um, I'm curious, did you did you leave uh, that before the bubble burst? I I left in March 2000. So which was exactly literally when, when the bubble <laughs> burst. Um, you know, I I'd been planning to leave you know, for some time, because I think I was, you know, I, I was, you know, to me in, in this, you know, I think now, in retrospect, it, everything still felt so immature and nascent back then, but it, it felt like it had, you know, it got too big, and it's too slow. And, you know, um, but, you know, I mean, I was, I was a CTO of a public company, I had, you know, 250 some odd people reporting to me, a huge engineering organization, you know, it, it just wasn't, you know, the type of role that I think I really was, I, I really wanted um, to have, you know, kind of like it grew up around me, but it wasn't something where I was just, I was like, I, this is what I really want. Um, so I, I was kind of planning to, uh, to make a move, you know, it took several months and it, it turns out like when you're, when you work for a public company, like you can't just be like, yeah, here's my two week notice. You know, it's like, Oh, we got to ease you out and find a replacement and, you know, we got to message it properly and all this kind of stuff. Um, but, but yeah, you know, my, my, uh, my, my, uh, last day was, 
um, you know, March uh, uh, 2000. And, and, you know, no one should, should cry for me, but, but I was in a lockup of my stock for another six months um, because of a secondary we'd done. So I didn't, you know, I got to kind of like quit and then just like watch the value of my stock go from like, you know, a hundred dollars a share to like 20 to like 10 to five and, you know, couldn't, couldn't do anything about it. But, um, but yeah, that was, that was, you know, literally March 2000, I think was when, when NASDAQ just, you know, just exploded and, and everything started to fall apart. So then uh, I guess, uh, Grand Central is a, is a startup. Yeah. So the, the story there is, uh, Halsey Miner, who, you know, again, was the founder of CNET. He, um, you know, he was starting an incubator, um, you know, they called it, uh, 12 entrepreneuring, um, with, uh, Eric Greenberg, who is the founder of science. So a couple of guys made a ton of money, wanted to build startups. Um, so I, I went to, to work there, but really I went to work there to start this, this company that an idea that we had been kicking around called Grand Central, um, which was, um, you know, the original vision for it was, was, you know, Salesforce.com had kind of just started. It was still very early. Halsey was one of the early investors in Salesforce. And, you know, I was kind of like, you know, same as I'd been doing for several years at that point, you know, looking at stuff and seeing how the web would just completely replace it. And so I saw Salesforce.com and I was like, well, well, well geez, everybody's, you know, everybody's enterprise software is just going to run in a web browser. Like, why would you go spend millions and millions of dollars to a company like Oracle or Siebel to, you know, license software and run it off servers and build out a data center. Like you're just going to like Salesforce.com is the future of this software. Um, and, and then, so I said, okay, well, you know, if, if companies are going to be, you know, their Salesforce automation is going to be on Salesforce.com and their, their ERM systems are going to be on, you know, ERM.com and, you know, all this other kind of stuff, like there's somehow all these systems are need to talk to each other. So there needs to be some sort of, basically data integration layer for the cloud. This is before we were kind of calling it the cloud. Um, so that was the original vision for it. We were, we were way too early um, in, in retrospect. And, you know, a lot of this, um, a lot of scaffolding and, and technology exists, exists today. Um, a lot of major cloud providers are doing this, you know, salesforce.com, you know, itself is doing this in a lot of ways. So, so that was kind of the original vision. So, so I kind of, you know, cut loose from, from MBCI and then went to, Halsey's incubator, and then we started Grand Central there, um, and so then I, I did that for the next uh, for the next couple of years. Are you also were you at Ink to Me? I'm trying to get I'm trying to get us to Yahoo. Were you briefly at Ink to Me as well? I was, yeah. So, so wow, then, uh, <laughs> how are yeah, you? Yeah, it, it, it's, it's a it's it's a it's a it's a it's a dark chapter there. <laughs> it's, a, it's hard to piece together, but um, but yeah. So I I, I left uh, Grand Central and, and I interviewed at at Google. Uh, so this is when I was just like, okay, I, you know, I, I, I still really love web and, and web search. You know, I kind of still had this sense of well, like, you know, I feel like I, I, I love search. Like I, I, it hasn't been done right. Um, still feels like there's opportunities. Um, so I, you know, interviewed at Google, almost came here then. That would have been 2002. Um, Inc. to me at that point was, was actually not in great shape. Um, Inc. to me had... Um, you know, we started to do everything except, you know, web search. They were doing like web caching and hardware and all this kind of stuff. And so they, they uh, convinced me to come there to run product for, for the search piece of Ink to Me, which they were basically, you know, kind of battening down the hatches to focus all of Ink to Me on search again. 
Um, so I, I was like, well, I'll kind of give it a try. We'll see what happens. And I think the real, the real hope was that we would, you know, either get Inkme search back where we were competitive again, or that we, we would sell the company, which is what we ended up doing, selling it to Yahoo. Um, so I, I went and, uh, you know, joining to me in this, you know, weird time where like, you know, I was like one of the few people that were joining because everybody else was like leaving and getting laid off. And so, you know, I, I, I show up and it's like, you know, bustling, you know, floor, here's your desk, you know, come in the next day and you're like, there's only five people on the floor. <laughs> it turns out all those other people you saw yesterday, that was like their last day because um, they're all, they're all getting laid off. So it was kind of a weird time. Um, but we were able to, to, you know, basically sell Ink to me to, to Yahoo. Um, and, you know, Yahoo bought Ink to me and, and, you know, I went into the company with Yahoo and we became basically Yahoo, you know, Yahoo search, search platform team because for, for years, um, you know, much to Yahoo's, you know, ultimate demise, like they'd never really owned a uh, search. You know, they were always, they're always partnering with Ink to me or at the time with Google. Um, so that, that was kind of how I got into, to Yahoo. So it, 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 I ended up, you know, officially being in Ink to me, I think it only ended up something being like six months. Um, and, and then for the rest of that was with Yahoo. So I've had, uh, I've had Gary Flake on the pod, uh, to talk about, uh, Yahoo's search and, and search in general from this period. But you're, uh, are you, you're working on things like Yahoo shopping and toolbar and image search and things like that? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so Jeff Weiner, who uh, went on to become CEO of LinkedIn, you know, he was running uh, mm -hmm. the search team, um, and, and this was, you know, I look back at it, and this was like this was a great time. Yeah, I mean, we were doing, you know, we were grow we were growing market share um, in search. Um, you know, we were doing really cool things. Can like I can I interrupt people, real quick yeah. because what people and this is important, I think people forget about this. But so the, the bubble burst and it, it it hurts Yahoo very badly because Yahoo was making a ton of money off all the dot coms that were paying up for ads and things like that. So Yahoo could, I mean, I don't know how close it came to going under, but it was possibly one of these dot com companies that it could have gone under. But from the the bubble bursting through like two thousand four, five, six. There was a real turnaround that made Yahoo the company that survived as long as it did. Yeah, it did. And, you know, this is you know really Web 2.0 um, days, and you know, it, and the talent there. You know, so I mean, my my tech lead uh, when I was running Yahoo Shopping was a guy named Brian Acton, uh, who went on right, to right. be the founder of WhatsApp. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we uh, we bought uh, Slack, and and of course, or we sorry, we bought uh, Flickr, and of course, Stuart Butterfield mm -hmm. went on mm -hmm. to start uh, Slack. Um, you know. Uh, Chi Lu uh, went on to be really senior guy at, at Microsoft and now is uh, Y Combinator. So, you know, it's a tremendous kind of, you know, pool of really, really talented people. Um, and, you know, I think what what we had was, you know, the, the executive kind of oversight and vision of a guy like Jeff to say, you know, Yahoo really needs to be able to compete um, with with just a lot of the raw materials. I mean, you know, with with now having you know, Inc. to me, plus Alta Vista, plus Fest, like having basically all the search technology in the universe that, that wasn't at Google. Um, and, you know, the the currency of a, of a, you know, a growing stock price that would allow us to do acquisitions. Um, and so, you know, we did a lot of really cool things. I mean, it was, it was, those were really kind of good days. It felt like we were accomplishing a lot. Um, you know, I think ultimately the, I think that it was just too late, um, quite frankly, you know, when it when it came to Google. Um, but uh, but also, I think it just 
you know, just goes to show how how much they had had squandered. I mean, how much of an opportunity you know they they had lost by nature of you know focusing on the wrong things. You know, focusing on the portally you know right. portal things instead of the actual search. And 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 you know, even when I came in, I mean, there were still pockets of people there who were just like, I don't even understand like why we should do search. It's a commodity. You'd hear that a lot. You you'd hear the analogy. You know, it's like it's like the electric company. You know, it's like yeah, you need you know, every every business needs electricity, but you're not going to make your own electricity. You just like plug into the grid, you're done. So why do we need to build our own search engine? Like just plug into the the grid. You know, just get get you get the commodity search from Inc. to me or or now Google. Who cares? And it's like, well, you just you just you created yeah. this behemoth. You know, with right. Google, but basically they just you know you you. You, they just powered the, the the most important experience on your site for how many years? Um, and with and with the little logo there that says "powered." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I mean, we would do tests. You know, this is this is kind of funny stuff to give you a sense of the just the value of that brand. Then, I mean, we would do user tests where we would, you know, run you know our Inkdemy search, you know, versus Google with the Google logo, with the Yahoo logo, and kind of vice versa. And it was just like. You know, there were times where we were, you know, we were as good or sometimes, you know, they were slightly better, but we were close. People couldn't tell the difference, but they'd see the Google logo and then, you know, that would be enough for people to decide that the quality was better. So that kind of just gave you a sense of the brand that, you know, that Google had been had built at that point and just the the tremendous head start that, that they had. Uh, real quick before we leave Yahoo, um, I, I read somewhere that, that you were really involved or maybe even spearheaded the, the Flickr acquisition. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, uh, there's, a, there's a guy uh, named uh, Bradley Horowitz who who works here with me today at, at Google, um, mm -hmm. and I uh, were the two that kind of worked on that. I actually uh, I I was sent up to kind of be the closer um, and go talk to the entire company up in Vancouver, um, but kind of like the last day where where uh, you know Stuart and and, and Katarina Fake, the, the co-founder. Um, had you know kind of told the company you know we had this acquisition offer from from Yahoo we're contemplating it um, so I flew up and turned out it was like in the middle of a blizzard to go up to uh, to Vancouver to kind of you know do, pr pr give the closing sell um, you know to convince them to sell which um, you know I, I I know Stuart I think still holds over me today but but I've apologized <laughs> for um, but uh, but yeah that was a great team I mean that was. You know what they had built. I, you know, and and, and you know, I know you've covered Flickr, and and the, it, it's really, I think, hard for for anyone who, you know, wasn't online in those days or or, or wasn't, you know, experiencing Flickr, just how innovative that product was, just how far ahead. I mean, just, I mean, obviously they were doing things like tagging, and but I mean, even just like, you know, they were the first ones where you could just click on a, you know, click on the title field and it would turn yellow and you could edit it, right? Like nobody mm -hmm. had, had clicked to edit anything, like, and that was like their entire experience. Um, so that, you know, kind of Ajax, what they call the Ajaxy kind of. Right. Well, Ajax, Ajax, but not only that, um, you know, just to give the, the Yahoo guy or YouTube guys were like, well, how come it's not as easy to put something on the web, a video on the web as it is a photo? You know, and so Flickr, Flickr gives leads the way in, in that sense of, of the user experience. And also, you know, there's the famous story that that, you know, uh, the Facebook guys really realized the, the nature of virality when when they put photos with user tagging and photos up and within a week 
they have more photos up than Flickr or something. I can't mm-hmm. remember exactly what the number. But so again, Flickr intuiting two of the things that we take for granted today yeah. was so far ahead. Yeah. 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 And I think what we loved about it was, you know, we just love the, you know, we love the user experience and, you know, we, this is you know, the early days of kind of, you know, social software. So we love the, the social aspect of it. Um, I particularly was very excited about tagging because, you know, for me as a search person, tagging is like free metadata from the community. Right? It's like, you know, well, wait, like they're, you know, they're, they're telling, they're giving, they're, they're labeling the users you. are telling me how to make search for images better. Like, <laughs> and, and they're doing that just because they want to, right. I mean, and, and so, you know, I th- we also looked at this company called Delicious. I tried to buy them. Mm-hmm. Um, they ended up getting acquired, you know, uh, Joshua Schachter's got it, ended up getting acquired actually not for a couple more years after that, but, um, for the same reason, which is, I was just like, here, here is this kind of intersection of, you know, p- people curating the web for us, um, and doing it because they, they're passionate about this category or these photos or this space and, and they're doing it in, 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 you know, in incredibly, you know, kind of rich, you know, nuanced metadata, you know, fashion. So there's a lot of really interesting search signals here that, that come from tagging. And so that was kind of part of what, what made us, you know, early interested in Flickr was that kind of combination um, and just a tremendous product. I mean, just, you know, amazing team, obviously they've gone to do great things, um, you know, at Flickr and elsewhere, but, um, just, just really kind of wonderful product experience that um, you know is still in, in so many ways unmatched, even by you know even by Google Photos and you know all the all the photo sites out here today. Uh, Ken, I uh, you, there's so much, and you're so good, so many good stories from you. I, I just want to make sure. Do you have at least 15 more minutes? Because uh, we're going a little longer than I'd even hope. But you have so much. Do you, just I make do. sure. Yeah. Okay. I, great. Great. I sure do. Okay. So uh, all right. Then uh, Jotspot. Yes. How does how do you get to Jotspot? So Jotspot uh, is a company founded by uh, two guys named uh, Joe Kraus and Graham Spencer. Right. Uh, from, Joe from, and, Excite from Excite. From Excite. Yep. Yes. So Joe and Graham were, were two of the uh, I believe six uh, co-founders of Excite. Right. Um, and and I had so I had met them when I was starting uh, Grand Central. And they had left Excite, and they were um, trying to figure out what to do next. And 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 now that I'm in more kind of the venture world, I, I get that this is common. But but at the time, you know, some some investors kind of set us up, right? They're just like, hey, you know, I've talked to you. I kind of have an idea of what you're looking at and thinking about starting. You should meet these other two guys, Graham and Joe, because they're great and they're kind of looking at something similar. So it's kind of like a a blind date of, you know, entrepreneurs vaguely looking at a similar space. Um, so we, I, I met them and, and totally hit it off. I'm like, these guys are great. You know, would love to kind of work with them someday. They ended up exploring something different, um, kind of good for them because Grand Central ended up going nowhere. But, but you know, kind of we'd always kept in contact. And, uh, and so Joe had reached out to me, you know, a couple times and, you know, the time was right where I was ready to move on from Yahoo. And they had started this company called Jotspot. And Jotspot was really about, you know, the, the, the kind of initial vision was really just about making wikis, you know, easier to, easy to use. Um, and so I had we had used wikis at Yahoo internally um, to just, you know, manage all of our internal content and project sites and 
and and loved it. You know, loved the fact that you know basically here's this web page. Anybody can edit it, and you have this whole version history, and you don't have to like edit HTML. You don't have to like FTP. You just start editing web page. But it was really really hard to use, right? It was just like you got to know this like crazy you know weird markup language and and so you know their kind of initial vision was well if we can make you know wikis for everybody basically you know really easy to use wikis um then you know lots of companies are probably going to want this right and and they may you know this may become their kind of you know internal you know information management you know system um and there was a bigger vision there too that was was really around you know what we called you know do-it-yourself applications, um, and there was this kind of sense that you know at companies there there are you know there's IT and there are software developers, um, but but really if you think about the the glue you know the applications if you will that run companies the IT teams you know they're only building a kind of tiny small percentage of that. That most of that stuff's really being done in like you know Excel and you know uh, you know word scripting languages and macros and you know you, you could almost even think of you know Excel as probably like the number one you know application development platform for companies if you if you kind of squint a little bit and realize that well really any kind of structured yeah. list is yeah application. yeah yeah and so we were like well could we give you know could we give those people those people who are not IT managers not really programmers but you know comfortable power users like the person you know to go to when you have a question about which excel formula to use right um you know could we give them a lightweight suite of tools where they can build pretty robust applications to get stuff done you know at their companies um so that was the the original vision and, and i got super excited about it I was like, this is just you know i, I wanted the opportunity to work with them at some point um but plus just really felt like that was that was hitting on a lot of cylinders for me. Um, and, and so joined them, uh, as VP product in 2005. And, uh, you know, we, we, uh, had a lot of really good early success. Uh, you know, the, we were selling into a lot of companies. We were getting, you know, lots of kind of self-service signups. We were doing really well. Um, companies started to poke around. Um, one of those companies was, was Google. And uh, and Google ultimately uh, acquired us. Um, actually, I, 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 I found out this morning, 12 years ago, exactly today. So this is oh wow, the 12 year anniversary of of, uh, of the Google acquisition. Um, and for Google, you know, this was um, they had just bought a company called Rightly, and Rightly, you know, became Google Docs, but it was really kind of you know docking really amazing kind of interactive you know word processing in a browser. Um, they had bought another company that ultimately became Google Sheets. And, you know, they saw us as a part of that, like, you know, the JotSpot product ultimately became Google Sites. Um, but they kind of felt as like, okay, there's this, basically this stuff is all somehow related where, you know, there's going to be a suite of, of productivity tools that are going to be available to end users and the, and the companies and somehow JotSpot spot fits into this somehow rightly fits into this you know we're not exactly sure but let's let's buy you know as google was kind of um prone to do and i think wisely prone to do is just like you know we don't need to have all the answers let's just kind of bring these people together that are passionate about this kind of space in this category and just kind of let them do their thing and see what happens okay so uh, you you almost just uh answered the question in the way that i was going to ask it which was 
so like you, you you become like the product lead for uh google docs and Cal like essentially what we call the the g suite now right right that's right yeah so when when you you come on board and and you're tasked with doing this i remember at the time people were feeling like well this is almost a strategic play they're going to uh, make productivity apps free as a thing against Microsoft to kill Office and things like that. But now, in retrospect, we can see how it fits into the whole Chrome OS, Chromebooks, all, all this whole thing. But I bet, based on what you just said, that was not that was no vision for that at the time when you're there. <laughs> so, like when you when you show up, <laughs> it's just um, this is interesting stuff. These are people that know how to do it. We'll we'll see where it goes. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Well, I can say that that was the vision all along, and then and then look like I'm I'm a genius. Right. But exactly. You're, you're right. No, I, I think it was. So I I think there was there was there's a bunch of different things. I think there was just a a belief that you know that licensed packaged software that you, you you paid for and you installed on a machine that was only one machine that may not be the only machine you use just like that just felt like a an antiquated model um and you know it happened to be uh a model that you know our one of our biggest competitors microsoft had 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 built their you know kind of entire business around but it just you know to to me it just it just it kind of offended my sensibilities that you know i i would have to install this software on my my windows computer and then you know if i wanted to share that file with you i'd have to email that file to you but now there's two of them and there's three different versions and like it just that's not very collaborative and it's expensive and it seems like overkill and and those and and office had become so bloated then too you know we're just like okay what do most people do you know in excel for example well they they make lists of stuff you know, do they do they use formulas? Well, probably most of the time they don't. Mm -hmm. But if they do use formulas, they're probably using one of these like eight formulas, right? <laughs> like, how often do people use pivot tables? Um, I don't know, like what three percent, five percent of users. And so I think there was this sense that, you know, well, what if all this stuff was in a browser, meaning you could get to it from anywhere? Um, what if it was all, you know, in the cloud, meaning that if you made a change, I could see it. And if I made a change, you could see it. And there wasn't going to be any like files and versions and lost data. And, and, and so I think that that kind of that vision of really the cloud plus collaboration was um, something that we were all very excited about and, and believed in. Now, I, I didn't think that, you know, it would be as pervasive as it as it as it is. I mean, I, I, you know, I was probably more bullish than, you know, just about anyone. I was the the product manager for docs, but I remember thinking, you know, I, yeah, I could see, you know, hopefully someday schools, you know, you could see teachers and K through 12 and, you know, but, but probably, you know, there's always going to be lots of people and companies that are still going to need, you know, Excel and they're still going to need word. And, um, and, and so, you know, the, the idea that, you know, of course that's still the case, but like that people are writing books, you know, in, in Google docs, like, you know, I, I wasn't sure even in kind of my wildest dreams, I would have thought that was possible. I would have, I would have maybe thought, well, okay, for that kind of a use case, of course, you probably still going to have um, to use the old software stuff. But um, was it, was that, was that sort of like almost famously like part of that's what that, that was in the water at Google at that point where like you can be the, the product manager of something. And, and like we're saying, it it now fits into this whole even hardware strategy, which you could never have imagined at the time. <laughs> um, but so like um, Google at the time thinks, okay, this is a product that's interesting. We've acquired these people. They're smart. 
And then um, as long like they, they give it enough rope so that it finds its product market fit or, or it finds its use for Google in, in other ways. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, 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 and they, hey, there were naysayers. I mean, I, I, I mean, I went to many meetings where people are like, you know, explain to me again why we're building a word processor. Like, I, I just don't get it. How's that fit into to Google's business? Um, you know, I, and, and, and in their defense, a few years later, I would be saying, why are we building a browser? Like, what, right, right. Like, I just, yeah, okay, that doesn't seem like that's really our core business. Do we really need to build a browser? Why is that? Um, so I think that, you know, there, there was definitely skepticism, but I think, you know, this was, you know, let a million flowers bloom, you know, kind of days where, um, you know, it was, it was understood that if, you know, if we're going to do, you know, for, for every, you know, huge breakout success, you know, like a Google news or a Gmail, uh, you know, there's probably going to be 50 others that people try and just don't work out. And so if we want to have, um, you know, those, those breakout successes, like we, we have to be willing to experiment, we have to be willing to fail. Um, and, and we just threw beta on everything too. Right. So that was, right, <laughs> right, was always right. just said, you know, you know, Google Docs beta, you know, get, so like, get out hey, of jail free card. Set yeah. The yeah. Um, which, yeah, I, I remember that when we finally were just like, Hey, we gotta like stop calling stuff beta. Cause you know, I like, I mean, I, I just came from a meeting with like one of our first fortune 500 companies that was like deploying it to like 20,000 users. And they're just like, yeah, I, I'm, I gotta tell you, I'm having a little hard time selling it into my you know CIO because it says beta. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, I, I think it was, you know, if you could, you know, and, and, and the company being, you know, and still being a place that just really embraces trying and innovating and, and recognizing that, you know, we're going to miss, have some missteps, we're going to fail, but it's better not to have tried, you know, with the air cover of, you know, having people, you know, more senior than you who believe in it um, and are excited about it, um, you know, and, and in the case of, you know, docs, that, that certainly included your founders, um, you know, was kind of enough for you to, 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 you know, to, to see where, see where this went. Um, and, you know, if you're continuing to improve the product and, you know, and, and I think the other thing is a big part of our culture at Google is, is everybody at Google's using the product. You know, so we, we, we're dog fooding it. Right. So, so, you know, everybody's writing, you know, PRDs and tech docs and, you know, like we're using Gmail every day. We're using Google docs every day. We're using Excel every day. And so, you know, we're seeing um, for ourselves how much of a difference this is making in our lives and our businesses. So that's creating more believers and it's this incredibly robust source of feedback for making the product better. Um, and so that eventually you kind of, you know, the flywheel gets going um, and then you're kind of, you're established, right? Like, you know, now we're, you know, now we're real business. And for us, it was, you know, when we became part of what at the time was called, you know, Google Apps for enterprises and you know now is today called g suite when we really became part of a of a suite of products that we were going to start selling to companies and ultimately to fortune 500 companies that you know we kind of reached that level of maturity um that uh that that took us in kind of a now much more of a maybe almost even like kind of an enterprise software direction in terms of how we think about how we build this product and how we support this product so I swear we're wrapping up, but a couple more questions um, because you're mentioning product management and you've become uh, somewhat quasi-famous for your essay, How to Hire a Product Manager. Um, so just briefly, if you could could talk about it, maybe the 
the key points about that and maybe why donuts and product management have become synonymous? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, for me, you know, and, and, and we kind of didn't touch on it, but it became obvious that my role, you know, changed as, as we kind of told the story where I, I went from being kind of an individual contributor on the engineering side to, to becoming an engine manager, also mm-hmm. a product manager. You know, for, for me, it was, you know, I, I really enjoy the technology. Like, I love working with engineers. I like being close to technology, but, but I don't think I was ever the world's greatest programmer. Like, I, th- I think I was a, an okay programmer, like I maybe, you know, 40th percentile, you know, kind of probably wasn't bad, but I just definitely was not like, you know, one of the greatest programmers. Um, and, and also what I found I enjoyed much more than the actual coding was the, the architecture and, you know, how do we understand the problem that we're solving and how do we decide what to build and what not to build? Um, and then that kind of combined with this fact that, you know, I was the person that, the engineers were perfectly happy to send to go talk to, you know, the customers or the marketing folks or whatever, um, because they trusted me because I, 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 I was technical enough. Um, but also they didn't want to do it. And, and everybody else was always thinking, well, you know, Ken's the engineer I'd like to have because he doesn't mind talking to customers and he actually, you know, won't make a clown of himself or whatever. And so you kind of start to fit it, feel, realize that there's this role between all these different functions, you know, between the, the marketing, the sales and the engineering and, and the design and, and, and where you're this kind of hub on the spoke. Um, but you're in this position where you are, are really getting to, to help shape the direction of the product. You know, like, what are we going to, what problem is it really out to solve? Um, you know, what should it do? What should it not do? Um, you know, what, what are we going to say no to? Um, you know, what are we going to say yes to? And, and, and to me, you know, I just, I realized that's kind of really where I wanted to be. And, you know, it, it when I was, I, I wrote that essay that you mentioned, how to hire a product manager when I was at Jotspot. Um, cause I, I had, I realized that I kind of kept being the person that people would come to and say, you know, Hey, we're going to hire a product manager at, at my company. Can you write the job description so that I can, you know, post it. And I'd be like, well, before I help you write the job description, let's make sure we we agree on what your what you think the job is, um, because I think at the time there was, you know, people would say product manager, but it could mean a lot of different things. It could mean a much more, you know, marketing outbound type role. It would be more technical at other places. And so I kind of wrote that essay because I kept it was actually started as a as a long email that I would kind of cut and paste and send to friends, and then I posted it and it kind of filled this 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 need that a lot of people had and certainly a lot of people like me who found themselves starting to do this job and wanting to basically articulate, you know, what they thought it was and how they thought it felt it fit into everything else and what it was, it wasn't what it wasn't. Um, and so, so I kind of wrote that and then, you know, kind of started to, to publish more about, about product management and started to, to get to know lots of, um, you know, PMs in the community and people who are, you know, kind of, you know, taking a lead on trying to, to, to really mature what that what that role really is, and I think what it's come to be, you know, for the most part today, um, thanks in 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 part to companies like Google and Facebook that you know really kind of started to to hire um, you know people that that fit that type of uh, profile and started to kind of articulate what that meant. Um, so the the donuts were uh, I I went and did this talk at um, I think it was 
at um, Berkeley uh, Haas School of Business about product management. And, and I was trying to come up with, you know, so I, I have this, this philosophy that like, you know, when you're the product manager, you, you, you actually have a lot of accountability, but you don't have a lot of, you know, you don't have a lot of authority, right? So, so you, you're the one everybody's going to yell at if the product doesn't go right, but like, but you're not really anybody's boss, right? Like, you know, for the most, certainly not the engineer's boss. And so if you have this attitude that like you're the boss or what sometimes people call the CEO of the product, like you're just going to get, you know, rejected. Like nobody's ever going to want to, to, to work with you and you're just going to fail. And so you have to kind of really operate from this kind of sense of humility of, you know, really being willing to do anything it takes to make the team successful, you know, to, to, to sweep the floors or, you know, whatever. And, you know, at, at Jotspot, I, I used to make the Costco run to buy, you know, snacks for our little kitchen. Cause it was just kind of like, I didn't feel like anybody else should be doing that. Right. Like it felt like their jobs were too important and felt like that's something that I could do for the team. And so I, I was trying to find a way to, to articulate that kind of, you know, sense of, you know, being a, being willing to do anything it takes for the team. And so um, I did this talk where you know, I kept saying, you know, how do you work with salespeople? Well, you know, this is how you work. You know, this is what you do. Oh, and then also you need to bring them donuts. Well, how do you work with engineers? And you do this and you do this and also bring them donuts. And so for whatever reason, it kind of just took off where, you know, I think a lot of product managers were like, yeah, that's right. I do. <laughs> I am the one that brings the donuts, right? Or the bagels or whatever it is. Um, and so that kind of donuts thing has, uh, has taken on a life of its own. And, and, and people bring me donuts, which is great. Well, um, and, if and anybody's, when, anybody's listening to this, feel free to keep bringing me down. It's probably like it. Well, yeah. so when it says on your uh, <clears throat> profile on, on the GV uh, website that you, you provide product and engineering support to startups, like so essentially you're trying to inculcate that sort of um, a philosophy in, in, in the, the companies that you guys invest in. Yeah, I think so. And, and, and for me, you know, a lot of what I do with the startups is is not the product stuff, right? I mean, you, you kind of don't, you know, it, it, like you don't want me to come in and you know, review your mockups, right? I mean, I can do that, like, but I'm I don't know your business as well as you do. I don't know your product as well as you do, like, you know, like, but but I can help you think about, you know, what the role should look like. I can help you think about the type of people to hire. I can help you think about how to organize, like, what's the right process for the team? How should the engineers work with the designers and work with the the, the, the product managers? So so it ends up being a lot of kind of like people and process. Um, which it turns out is, you know, at least in my experience, the hardest part about, about product management. I mean, the, the technology sometimes is the easiest part. Um, but, but yeah, I, I, you know, we've got, you know, some 350 companies in the portfolio and, you know, they're all different industries, you know, everything from life sciences and therapeutics to security to consumer tech. Um, and, you know, there are various different stages of existence. Some are bigger, some are smaller. And so, um, you know, I, I'm trying to be helpful in whatever way I can, um, you know, around those areas that really kind of come down to, to, to product, uh, people and process. Um, I'm going to try to squeeze this in real quick. I was just looking over my notes. You were involved, uh, at product manager, like with Google mobile maps. Were you involved at all with getting, uh, Google maps on that first iPhone? Uh, I was not. So I was on that project, um, so that we'd started, I, well, yeah, <laughs> uh, we we had a long and interesting history with iOS, but um, but the first real true iOS version uh, started 
um, about six months before I moved on from Android mm. mobile apps. Um, and it started in a different office. So, you know, yeah. we were collaborating with them, but it was really a different office that was, that was, that was working on that. All right. Well then Ken, here, here is my final question. Um, <laughs> the, which is, I always ask people what they're excited about today. Some people like you that are in, uh, VC want to tell me about what they're excited investing in. You know, Oh, Malik said, told me he was into photography. So it could be anything. So just, um, what are you excited about today? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll answer it really broadly. And I think, you know, I think on as as a kind of a, a a major area, I think it's really really everything to do with machine learning and and you know, artificial intelligence and and I think because in so many ways I see it as similar to other points in my career. You know, I mean, I started my career right when the web was taking off, and it was clear that like I don't care what business you're in, what you're doing, what you're selling. Like like if you didn't have a plan for how the web was going to change your business, like you were dead meat. And then I saw it again with mobile, you know, at Google, where it was like, you know, boy, if you haven't figured out how mobile computing is going to you know, affect your business, then like you're late, right? Because it's going to change everything. Um, and I really feel that way with 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 machine learning. And, and I think, you know, broadly, I guess, you know, artificial intelligence and deep learning and kind of all the various different you know, aspects of it. Um, it just feels like this is one of those things where it has the ability now where we are with compute power, you know, where we are with um, the developments that made over the last several years to, to just really change every single business. Um, and so I am sure that there are a bunch of people out there who are like, oh, you know, I just, you know, I do restaurant uh, remodeling or really like I just do, you know, insurance, you know, resale. Like we just think that machine learning isn't relevant and it is. Like it, 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 it's going to completely change everything. And it just may, and all it may do is provide you incredible new insights to make your business more, more, you know, operationally efficient. And, and that may be, you know, that may be all you kind of really need and that kind of all that matters. Uh, or it may completely replace, you know, what you're doing, <laughs> um, and, you know, with an algorithm. So, so I, I tell, you know, when I tell kind of new grads who are like, well, what should I be studying? You know, I, I draw a lot of analogies to, you know, Hey, when I graduated from college, you know, I just had the, the good fortune they can just walk out, you know, right into the web. Um, and you know, this feels like that, that same time, um, where it's early enough where we just, we don't even, I don't think we even scratch the surface on, on what's capable, um, of being done. And yet we're not to the point where it's so incredibly frothy that everybody and their brother are trying to do it. And, you know, we're, we're, we're overhyped it. I mean, it's, we're just, we're still, I think in the early, very early days. Well, give me a heads up when the AI uh, replaces podcasters. But um, <laughs> uh, Ken Norton, thank you so much for coming on the Internet History Podcast and remembering all that great stuff. I mean, you might you might get the record for the amount of companies that I was interested in talking to somebody about. <laughs> great. Yeah, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed the conversation, Brian. If you like what you've heard on this episode, please support us by subscribing to the podcast so you can get great news stories and conversations every two weeks. And please buy the book that was based on this podcast, How the Internet Happened from Netscape to the iPhone, by me, Brian McCullough. Order it now wherever books are sold. How the Internet Happened. And if you weren't aware, I host a daily tech news podcast every weekday that comes out at 5 p.m., 
In that show, I tell you what happened that day in the world of tech. It's only 15 to 20 minutes long, and it's great if you love tech news. Search your podcast app for Ride Home to find the show. It's called The Tech Meme Ride Home. Thanks. Thanks.